Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Getting proper mental health care can help you feel more like you. That's why Cerebral offers convenient access to online mental health services, including therapy and medication management. Cerebral's diverse clinician team can help with anxiety, insomnia, relationship issues, workplace stress, and more. You can schedule and communicate with your care team through Cerebral's mobile app and attend your sessions from the comfort of your own home. Get started with or without insurance. Plus, you can use your FSA or HSA. Start your first month for 50% off at Cerebral.com slash ACAST. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm with my wife, Kathy. Hello. We're not walking anywhere today. Uh, we're actually the complete opposite of that. We're sat down uh, 10,000 miles in the sky 10,000 miles in the sky wait how do you mean feet feet yeah and um, basically <laughs> we weren't going to do this now but we're in we're, space we're on the flight home to Ireland for Christmas and we've suddenly realised that we're in optimum recording position um, because the baby's asleep and the woman next to us is asleep and this is perfect so we're going to do this super fast we're going to do our top five movies of the year a little yeah. bit rough and ready because our lists were just partially done we've just quickly finished them and then we'll We'll finish this segment and we'll record the rest after the plane, plane the flight finishes. <laughs> yeah, Cathy's uh, very tired. Very tired. You can tell you're not making. No, sense. I'm not making much. I'm tired as well. We've also we asked some friends of the show. Yeah, we've been up early. Um, we've asked some friends of the show, um, past and future podcast guests, to give us their best movies of the year as well. And their worst movies. And their worst. So and that would be. Hear from them throughout the show. Yeah. Okay. Quick. Straight into it, Dave. What's, what's your, your number five? My number you five is My Life Is a Courgette. Oh yeah which is a very beautiful cartoon that we actually watched earlier this year. It's um, a cartoon, it's a stop-motion animation. Stop-motion animation, thank you. Um, it's an animated movie that's under 70 minutes long, which is a very... 60-something 60 60 minutes, which is quite incredible. But what was really beautiful about this is it's a French movie, um, and it's about a little boy called Courgette who's grows up with kind of an abusive mother who dies and he subsequently ends up in an orphanage and the movie just explores the relationship between him and the other children it explores grief it explores um like quite destitution really like you know it's not a typical character that you would see in a kid's cartoon these days which tend to be very glossy and he's a very sickly looking strange looking child and he forms these wonderful relationships with the other children and with them a mentor figure that he makes um, this man who looks after him and it's just a really beautiful movie so that's my number five movie and a really unusual movie not your typical animation it was up for best animation at the Oscars albeit Zootropolis beat it and it was up for the French what are they called the French Oscars the Cézanne Les Oscars <laughs> Les Oscars 
Um, so that's my number five, Dave. Okay, and if you want to hear more about our thoughts on that, uh, we did a review of that uh, ages ago with Chris Hewitt from Empire Magazine. Yeah. My number five of the year is Logan, the um, 20th Century Fox, or formerly, or what was formerly known as 20th Century Fox, and is now known as Disney, <laughs> as of yesterday. Actually, I thought that might have been your number one, you know. Oh, we need to say our list are top secret, so we don't know each other's. Do not know. Um, Logan, for anyone who doesn't know, was Hugh Jackman's swan song as uh, Wolverine, um, or otherwise known as Logan. It was a brilliant super it's probably one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen it was amazing didn't even really play as a superhero movie it's just it plays as a, a western it's very much rooted in, in um, its influences are, are western based um, there are even some very on the nose references to, a, to a, an old movie that Patrick Stewart is watching Patrick Stewart is in this as an incredible performance Professor incredible. X I wonder um, if he'd I would love to see him or Hugh Jackman get an Oscar nomination I think I think either of them would absolutely warrant it. Yeah, I mean, Hugh Jackman's played this character what a hundred times now. They were both outstanding in this movie. There's a very touching plot with a um, the other character who is um, um, a young girl who's an actress whose name I forget. Um, but it was just it was really visceral, violent, um, sad. touching, sad. I cried. Uh, a beautiful movie, absolutely brilliantly put together by James Mangold. Yeah, I loved um, it. And that's my number five. And on to number four. I'm trying to hurry Dave up. Interestingly, my number four is also a superhero movie. Wait, let me guess. Uh, Wonder Woman. Yes. Yeah. It's the only one it was going to be. Um, so Wonder Woman I've picked for multiple reasons. Sing Firstly, the theme song on the flight. Do it. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Ah, <laughs> in a certain time. Fighting for her rights. Right, we'll stop now. We're really annoying. Um, so basically, Wonder Woman I've picked for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's very very entertaining movie really entertaining I loved all the fish out of water stuff when she came from her island into World War One era London with the sexism and all that um, I really enjoyed the fact that she was a very very strong female lead what I also loved about it, it's directed by a woman, Patty Jenkins it very very quickly made over $100 million at the box office which is um, the most female directed movie had ever made so it's actually smashing glass ceilings. Now, of course, it was always going to make that much money, right? It's a huge superhero movie. But recently, um, the Justice League didn't actually make very much money. So it's not... Well, relatively. Relatively. So this movie made the money because, A, yes, of course, it's a DC superhero movie. But, B, because it's a fucking brilliant movie. Um, it was fantastically directed. Gal Gadot as the lead is incredible. It was really inspiring. I found it really touching and... Um, it's just a movie that I really enjoyed and you'd be interested to know it's our most downloaded episode of the year so it's smashing yes, the glass ceiling of the cinema everyone too everyone saw it everyone saw um, it yeah. but I agree with you it's, um, I thought it was absolutely excellent it's just uh, sweet and heartwarming and optimistic yeah. she's the character that Superman should have been she's amazing and particularly having recently watched Batman v Superman which is so crap I can't believe they came from the same studio and I'm just really pleased that this movie happened this year and was as successful as it was to just prove to everyone what everyone knows all along that female directors should be getting big budget movies they just aren't being given them yeah yeah. okay Dave number four uh, my number four is a movie we didn't review because it's a Netflix movie mm -hmm. and you can't walk home from Netflix <laughs> um, it's the Meyerowitz stories uh, old and new or something. There's, some, there's some sub title in brackets <laughs> which I've forgotten uh, but the Meyerowitz stories um, which is the, um, the latest by Noah Baumbach the mm -hmm. director writer um who has worked a lot with Ben Stiller in the past and did Francis Ha last year and yeah. Greta Gerwig 
uh, really, really good sort of uh, quirky indie director. Um, superb writer. This stars Ben Stiller and Dustin Hoffman as half brothers and Dustin. No, no Dustin sorry. Hoffman's the dad, sorry. and it stars Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler as half brothers. Adam Sandler as half brother. Yeah. And Dustin Hoffman is their father. Um, and Emma Thompson and oh my god, I forgot the actress's name. It's fine. Plays the sister, who is brilliant as well. An incredible cast. The writing is is very. The very writing's good. phenomenal. It's funny. It's when we watched sweet. it, we it's thought, "Oh God, you just wouldn't you die to be this good a writer?" Like it's, it's so exactly, clever. Yeah. It's the kind of movie that makes you want to be uh, a better writer or a or a writer, which we're not. Um, you know why it's not on my list? Um, is it the gender politics around yeah, it? Yeah, it's because you even just said I can't remember the actress's name. But there's a third sibling in it. I can't remember her name either because she's. It's about the three siblings, and each sibling gets something from their own perspective. But Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller get probably 95% of the movie from their perspectives and she gets a quick little scene from her perspective so I just find that a bit strange it but has anyway. very much a male focus when it's supposed to be about a family yeah. I completely agree with you but it's fantastically written and very well directed and yeah. Dustin Hoffman was a joy to watch in it um, and Adam Sandler Adam was Sandler. probably the standout for me I thought he was the best uh, the best performance he was incredible for and someone who has just been churning out for Netflix um, for so mom. long um, you, you just forget that he's actually got some serious dramatic credentials. He's he's outstanding in this. He's fantastic, and it just made me wish Adam do some decent movies. You can so do. So please, it. everybody, go watch that on Netflix if you haven't already, because it's very, very, very good. good. Okay, my number three movie of the year um, had a lot of hoo ha earlier this year. Oh, it had some hoo ha. It did, did a hoo ha. Would it, you like to define hoo ha for us? It won Best Picture at the Oscars, but actually. La La Land was given the Oscar first. <laughs> yeah. Do you recall that hoo-ha? Yeah, Lego Batman. <laughs> um, Moonlight is my number three, which is a movie I absolutely adored. Now, I know it was released, I think, in the States last year, but it was released in the UK this year. So for us, it's a 2017 movie. And again, we've reviewed it in, in the past, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But it's just such a beautiful movie. It's shot incredibly. There's three actors playing the same character, each who's better than the last. Um, it explores issues of being a black man in the States. It explores issues of being a gay man in the States, a mask, masculinity, um, a single mother. I mean, there's so much going on in this movie um, that I was really, really moved by it. I'm really blown away by it. And I, I was battling to have it at my number one, but I've got a tight top three, so I made it in third. Dave, your number three? Uh, my number three is My Life as a Project, uh, which you've pretty much covered. Uh, but I will say from my point of view firstly movies don't need to be two and a half hours or two hours long I I think think this 120 minute running time has become a standard Um, and whatever movies movies I feel often should a lot of stuff should have been put to the cutting room floor this movie is tight it's um, and it feels fleshed out it's it's fully the characters are better formed than some two and a half hour movies I've seen and you don't come out feeling like it's a slog. It was so such a perfect running time. More and it was so emotional. Um, not just about the running time. I do recall tears streaming down your face at the end of this movie. It's so. Dave was very moved by this. I was just as a as a you know as a father to be at the time. It really it really got to me. And um, all the all the voice performances I will say are very very good because that can often uh, be a stumbling block for for international movies when they don't go with a subtitle version and they, they hire uh, the English voice cast yeah. but they hire them very well you've got um, Nick Offerman uh, Nick Offerman yeah, he was is fantastic. in there um, a few others anyway very good voice cast um, 
beautifully written, beautifully animated, very interesting art style. The kids kind of look very weird and all their noses are different colours. Yeah, it's and really it's, cute. And their noses match their ears. It's beautiful. If, if you haven't seen it, I advise you to see it. And if you're not going to get a chance, just look up the trailer and look at how beautiful the animation is. Yes, and lastly, this this is a, one of those movies that works as a kids' movie, and it's, even though it deals with very adult themes and very dark subject matter, and like the best kids' movies, it doesn't pull its punches. It just it just sort of deals with stuff like grief and loneliness and bullying and tragedy in a very clear and um, very understandable and emotional way. And I think it's important for for young kids to. You know, to confront, yeah. to confront these issues, and they talk about sex. Um, now we are, guys. We, we are. Oscar's waking up here, so we might have to take a break. Okay. So realise we've only got two movies left to do. There we go. He's gone back to sleep. We're okay. Um, so right, we are powering okay. through this, guys. We spent two. a lot of time on our TV one, which is <laughs> too much. So we're, we're making up for that. And um, my number two is Get Out, which we didn't review on this podcast. Um, so we never made it to the cinema. So we've subsequently watched it on demand and. It is an absolutely, to me, absolutely perfect movie. Um, it is so clever, so interesting. Horror isn't a genre that I take to or that I watch, but in this instance, I watched it because of the reviews. What's so interesting about this movie is it's this really dark exploration of race in America. Again, actually, but much different from Moonlight. Um, it really explores particularly again like the black man the black male experience in America but um, how white people can treat black people and how deep seated and how, how far the racism goes back but it's a really dark take on it and like I'm not going to spoil the plot for people who haven't seen it because I think it didn't get much of a cinematic release in the UK so a lot of people won't have seen it but it's really really clever and it's like bits of it are quite funny and bits of it are a bit scary um, and I just found it to be such a perfect movie. I can't recommend it high enough. And Davey, be pleased to remember it has a very short running time also. Yeah. Yeah. Less um, is more, guys. Less is more. So, yeah, Get Out is my number two. Dave, what's your number two? Okay, my number two. So, what I've done for my number two is I've pulled the same shenanigans that you pulled last year on your number two. Yeah. So, if anyone remembers our 2016 movie review, Kathy put both Zootropolis and Moana in her number two spot. Yeah. Uh, and I called absolute bullshit on this. Uh, but if you're going to do that, then I'm going to yeah, do that. And fine. I'm putting Moonlight and Get Out in my Ooh, number two spot interesting. together. Because I think they actually make quite an interesting double bill for the reasons that you've just outlined. Okay. They've both um, very interesting takes on uh, the, the uh, black experience in America. Yeah. Uh, and particularly how they, uh, how, they, how they relates to white people's perceptions of them. Probably more so Get Out in that regard. I think Moonlight is... Um, Probably it's about the male more experience. about more about yeah more about the male experience and particularly um, for uh, somebody who's, who's coming out. Uh, uh, so you know they're they're kind of not they're not a perfect match, but they're they're both. But you wanted to get them both in your top five, is where we're going. With yeah, it. yeah. I just there's so many I wanted to squeeze in, so yeah. I called the same shenanigans. No, it's clever. Um, You've managed six into five. I'm, I'm into it. But they're you know they both they both um, have strong uh, strong male. Uh, Black leads, uh, which is rare in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, it, um, sadly, superb performances um, in both Oscar-winning supporting actor um, 
on, on the other side from the actor who plays Remy in House of Cards, whose name I can never remember. This is what happens um, because we've, we've quickly decided to do this on the plane. Don't we have haven't the done, internet. We don't have as much research as we normally do, so apologies for but that. But Moonlight, Moonlight was a beautiful character study, interesting performances that made you, that, that they, you felt like it was the same person, even when there was a huge transformation at the point. Yeah. Um, you all, there's a huge leap in time and you almost don't recognise the main character but then he slowly yeah. you realise it's a facade that he's built up over the years and slowly that breaks down and he's he comes such a out again character. that sweet little boy comes yeah. out again and it's absolutely just fell in love with him and this Moonlight actually is a really long movie but we didn't mind and I could have sat through another hour of it because it really warranted the length um, and it was just really really beautiful and heartbreaking and I'm so glad that it did win the Oscar um, despite all the shenanigans around it which were ridiculous we um, just said the word shenanigans I did. 40 times yeah. and just a quick note on, on Get Out I thought it was so clever uh, uh, Jordan Peele is the director who's one half of the Key and Peele comedy sketch He's duo so clever yeah very, he wrote it as well very talented um, the, I, th- I thought it was just so darkly funny and yeah. weird and twisty uh, and absolutely stonking fantastic brilliant. yeah Cathy what's your number one okay my number one is The Big Sick oh brilliant yeah is that your number one too because then we can just both talk about it no no okay it's um, on my list it got so close it got I, so I, close I, uh, I'll talk so about it later. I love The Big Sick again it's one we have reviewed on the podcast um, so you can go back and listen to that and, and we had a special guest on that one as well Helen O'Hara and what I love about The Big Sick right is when it's done right, rom-com is hands down my favourite genre, but it is never done right. Like, it's so hard at this point. It was really done right in the 90s. Like, it was a good, good rom-coms were being turned out in the 90s. Like, I would say My Best Friend's Wedding, for example, and Sleepless in Seattle. They're just two I can think of in the top of my tired head. But I love it when they're done right. And this movie was so sweet. It was so funny. Like, it was proper laugh out loud funny. It was so well written. It was such a good script. It had amazing performances from all the actors. Um, Kamel Nanjiani is uh, who wrote it with his wife Emily Gordon. Yes. And it's about their actual real life experience. Real life experience of him. He plays himself as a Muslim man, son of an immigrant, living in the states. She's like a white. Um, we don't know, but we're guessing we're kind of implied some sort of Christian religion. So there's like religious barriers. But that's not even the main plot. The main plot is actually that she gets quite ill and he ends up spending time with her parents while she's in a coma. Um, But it really, again, explores, and it's so important this year, given everything that's going on in the world and in America, again, race is explored in a really interesting, subtle way. It's one really laugh-out-loud joke about um, 9-11. And... Overall, it just really made me laugh. I love that a husband and wife wrote it together. I thought that was really fantastic. There was exceptional performances in for supporting characters of Holly Hunter and Ray. Everybody Romano. loves Ray Romano. He's amazing playing her dad. And look, I should have more to say about my number one movie of the year. I really apologise about how tired I am. So if you want to hear a proper review of it, please go back and listen to it. And please watch this movie if you haven't watched it because it's so sweet and funny. And I just love that it wasn't just clever on the surface level. It was There was a lot to say. There's deep messages in it. And it's a really, really worthy movie. And I'm really expecting a Best Screenplay nomination for this one. The I really hope so too. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Such This is what rom-coms are supposed to be. 
supposed to be romantic and funny. Go figure. Pay attention to every rom-com that has the main characters leaning against each other backwards in a white <laughs> backdrop, uh, bold red font. With Matthew McConaughey on the poster, <laughs> yeah. whether or not he's in the movie. Well, that was pre-McConaughey. Yeah. So. Do you know what? He he was better in those movies than he is in some of his new ones. Oh, yeah. snap. Anyway, what's your number one? Wait, let me guess. Go on. Good podcast. Yeah, right. I've gone blank. Radio ignore, ignore, ignore. Rewind, delete that bit. Okay, Anything? what's your right. la- no? Okay. What's your number one? Well, I will say that you know you said that rom com is your genre of choice, yeah. but this was an outstanding example of that. Sci fi is my genre of choice, mm-hmm. and Blade Runner twenty forty nine, of course, is, yeah, is absolutely my favorite movie this year. Um, not only is this a brilliant bit of sci fi, um, it is a huge budget movie that exists within. The Hollywood system that is another another example of the on paper this is another example of the kind of laziness that we're seeing time and time again in the studio system which is what is an old property that people have affection and nostalgia for that we can wheel out uh, bring me bring back the old cast for literally Harrison Ford has done exactly this with Star Wars yeah and he um, is doing it with Indiana Jones he's doing it with Indiana Jones and let, let's just slap a, you know... Brian Gosling, he's hot. And they're called... I think there's somebody has uh, nicknamed these kind of movies Legacy sequels. Yeah. Uh, which is so... So it's essentially like retreads. Like The Force Awakens was just A New Hope again. Jurassic World was just Jurassic Park again. We're seeing a lot of these kind of things. But Blade Runner 2049 is not that. It, it, it is very much a Blade Runner movie. It's very much a sequel, though. It sticks very closely to what happened in the original and moves things on but looks and feels exactly like that world mm-hmm. as if it had progressed 30 years I, I won't get into detail we did, we did a review of this and I talked in length about the aesthetic of it and the production design and it is just perfect the director uh, Denis Villeneuve um, is who um, last year my favourite film was Arrival so this is two years in a row Ooh, he's made two. my my favorite movie. He's fast. He'll be very flattered. My famous, my favorite director. Uh, he, I've um, heard from him. He's really flattered. Yeah. Will you yeah, tell him? He wrote that's to me. Good for yeah. him. Uh, Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, just some beautiful, beautiful. Like almost any scene, any still from this movie would make a piece of art you'd put up in your home. And I think a really, really strong performance from Ryan Gosling as well. He did a really good job with this. And it's interesting. This movie actually didn't make. I think it cost a hundred. Don't don't quote me on this. Albeit I'm reporting this. Billion dollars. 150 million dollars to make something like that, and I think was struggling to make back the money because they did a really interesting, which I approve of, because I know as we say, like it's one of these legacy prequels. But they did an interesting marketing campaign. They didn't choose to, like they did a trailer that was, you know, actually intelligent and and thoughtful and really in line with the first movie as you said and they weren't just and doesn't tell you the plot no it doesn't tell you the plot and they weren't just going oh look here's a Ryan Gosling movie which is what they could have done Um, so I really admire the marketing of it they really really has a strong vision Um, it's very in line with the original which we watched just before it um, because I hadn't seen it and Dave hadn't seen it in a long time and yeah I mean it's not on my list but I definitely really enjoyed it I mean it's a beautiful movie I think the marketing was was strong but was a little bit safe I wish they hadn't revealed the Harrison Ford I know. thing ahead of time uh, I think that would have made a brilliant it surprise if it had just happened in the movie yeah but look um, that's uh, that, that's never going to happen if you're bringing back an actor like Harrison Ford they're not going to spoil it also the music I mean they are um, going to spoil I kind of wish they brought Vangelis or Vangelis back who did the first uh, score of the first movie um, instead they went for um, 
Hans Zimmer just scores every movie now. Yeah, um, he's which really is a little, little disappointing. But um, yeah, I, uh, just please go watch it. Not enough people went to watch it in the cinema, and like you said, it didn't perform. And it's sad because it means we're going, we're not going to see any big risks anymore with, with look it's not sad that people didn't see this movie to me like Good ultimately morning, oh hello is the Aer Lingus um, announcement um, no I'm saying it's not Shortly sad that people didn't go and see it like it's still First a huge budget movie brain. with huge Hollywood stars yeah, like it's not exactly like an artistic indie movie magazine, no yeah but it's sad, it's sad that if, if the, the accountants are going to look at this and say this underperformed, it didn't do well for us, then they have why didn't it, why didn't it perform? Oh, maybe it was because it's too, too cerebral, yeah. it's too long, um, it's too whatever. The, yeah. Those factors are going to play into the kind of decisions that are made when they're looking in their phones for the next five years. So the good thing is with the big say, it's cheap to make and made them a shitload of money, so that's a good thing. We're going to end up seeing Police Academy 9 before we see... I got to Lady Academy now. Okay, now we're going to make hay while the baby sleeps um, and before the plane starts to land. I think this it's is the second time you've said that expression as if it's a real expression. Oh, right. um, so there, I'm very pleased we recorded our top five, and we'll be back again with worst movies, disappointing movies, and, and some honourable mentions. mentions. And you're going to hear from some of our um, uh, guests of the year telling us about their best and yeah. worst movies. Okay, bye. Uh, thanks very much. Hello, Dave and Kathy and the Cinemile. Uh, this is Chris Hewitt uh, from the Empire Podcast, and I'm recording this on my walk to the bus stop uh, in tribute to your walks. And I just thought, uh, you know, it'd be nice to talk about my favourite films of the year, as requested. Uh, my favourite film of the year, without a shadow of a doubt, hit me right in the feels, was Paddington 2. Glorious sequel, massive bear hug of a movie. Uh, I may have laughed, I may have cried, but I will never admit it. Uh, and that just pipped, just pipped, even though I said hands down, it just pipped Get Out uh, for me. Get Out was my number one film of the year for so long. Such a great film. Uh, wonderful mix of, of horror and comedy, satire, brilliantly directed, great performances. And what else did I like? Uh, La La Land. Just to confuse your American listeners, uh, yes, La La Land is a 2017 film here in the UK. Uh, love the songs, love pretty much everything about it. And uh, yes, my wife and I did dance down the street one day singing Another Day of Sun. And yes, I did swing around a lamppost because I'm that cool. Um, right, I'm rambling now. Worst films of the year, without a shadow of a doubt, Baywatch. Just one of the worst comedies when you see people floundering around trying to desperately improvise a way out of a situation. That ain't good. And then The Dark Tower, an adaptation of. The beloved Stephen King series that felt like a, a personal insult to me. Um, I finally caught up with it on a plane, and I was so bad, I wanted to walk out. Boom, boom, boom. There's a cracking joke in which to end. Wish you all the very, very best. And Oscar, of course. And uh, have a very Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Bye. Oh, hi. I'm Helen from the Scummy Mummies podcast. My favourite film of 2017 was the Trolls film because I have children and I dragged them along to my local cinema, the Peck and Plex. I loved the Trolls. It was joyous, funny, brilliant movie, brilliant songs uh, and I left skipping out of the cinema so I always think that's a good sign. And the worst film of 2017 was Bad Mums 2. It was a piece of steaming dog turd. Do not see it. It is a travesty. Um, of the art form. Goodbye.
My name is Scroobius Pip and I host the Distraction Pieces podcast. My best and worst films of 2017. I did a whole podcast actually of my best, so there's a load to choose from. But if I have to select one, I think I'm going to go with Beach Rats. So um, yeah, a really good film set in Brooklyn about a young man kind of... uh, Somewhat confused about his sexuality, but wonderful, wonderful film. And my worst, sadly, I'm going to have to go with The Mummy. Hey, everybody, this is Linda, Kathy's mom, big cinemile enthusiast, and an occasional guest. So here's my best and worst of 2017. Best, I'd say, was Wonder Woman, simply for the enjoyment factor. I find it kind of balanced and inspiring without being too cheesy. So, yeah, definitely my number one. And my least favourite, I think, was Murder on the Orient Express. I found it tragically overacted and I was really quite bored during it. It was as dull as a long train ride. So that's it from me. I wish you all a really happy 2018. Bye. All right, we're back. We have landed safe and sound in Ireland. We are currently walking down the seafront in uh, Bray County Wicklow. Yes, it's beautiful. My dad lives in Bray, so we're here for a couple of days and we had kind of fantasised about recording a special Christmas episode along the Bray seafront, which is really gorgeous. But we thought, nah, it's going to be pissing rain. It won't work. It's no. a stunning, it's stunning day. The waves are coming in. Yeah. There's a train going around the hill there. We've just drank a load of coffee because we've been up really early and flying with the baby. Um, so yeah, we're ready to go on the rest of our... 2017 review (laughs) yes so uh, we've done our top five we're going to look back at some other movies we wanted to mention that we loved but didn't uh, make the top five Cathy what's uh, what's on your list so honourable mention number one I had Logan which was in your top five which as I said I really enjoyed um, really liked Logan I also had Fences the Denzel Washington Viola Davis which was a movie I really enjoyed as well we've also reviewed um, like a fantastic film but ultimately at the end of the day it it was adapted from a play and it felt like a play wish I'd seen the play yeah um, Boss Baby I've written down because (laughs) okay because Boss Baby uh, we went to see it we were so happy that day so it's actually for like personal reasons I've done this movie so I was pregnant um, we just won the day before at the British Podcast Award for Best New Podcast. And so we were going to go to the cinema and then we decided to just to see that, basically because I was pregnant. And we wanted to put out an episode because we just won this award. And we just had the best time and we enjoyed it so much. And it was a very special day for me. So that's why I put Boss Baby in. Um, it's a fun movie. I mean, it's pretty, It was fun. It's Do you know what? It was just I... the experience I loved. And then I have Marjorie Prime, which isn't one that we saw together but I watched it What's um, that? it's it's actually another play adaptation and you caught the end of it when I was watching it it stars Gina oh, Davis oh, yeah. and Tim Robbins and I'm terrible I haven't got the name of the lead actress who's so amazing in it she's this older actress who's phenomenal and I've forgotten her name anyway it's a it's a really interesting play adaptation it's a bit of a sci-fi it has John Hamm in it and it's set place in the future and it's basically that people can get holograms of their deceased relatives and kind of recapture memories through them and John Hamm plays a hologram and it's just really it's a really interesting movie I've looked it up her name is Lois Smith thank you Lois Smith great performance and then I have Dina which is another one that we didn't watch together that I watched on my own you can watch the stuff without me I know and well I've been trying to watch all these you know this movie Dina did so well at Sundance but like we missed it we've missed so many movies this year while having a baby um so our list was a bit tighter to pick from. So I've been watching a lot on the small screen. And Dina is this incredible documentary. It's just so interesting. It's about this couple and they both have Asperger's. And it's following them as they 
are due to get married and just exploring their relationship with very unique access in that real cinema verite way of just pure observation which I really enjoy and it's quite interesting because they both have Asperger's but they're very different people um, so anyway I recommend Dina I can't believe you just said cinema verite yeah that's what it is that's the only way I can describe it and I know that sounds we, ridiculous basically means they're filming it as it is with no intervention we just and my last <laughs> showing one, off because you have a film degree my last one is Lion which was a movie I really enjoyed this year the Australian movie starring Dev Patel and Nicole Kidman and was a very beautiful true story and very cinematically beautiful because a lot of it was shot in India and a lot was shot in Tasmania so it was a really visually interesting movie yeah really nicely put together okay Dave honourable mentions alright I got loads um, Dunkirk um, which kind of just fell out of my top five I I thought this is one of the best cinema experiences I've ever had. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, uh, we reviewed it on this podcast and it was just like, like everyone said it, you know, it was just loud and huge. We saw it in the biggest screen in London in the BFI IMAX and it was just enveloping. It's the most, it's the closest I've come to actually feeling like I was in a war. Uh, now, since since we did that, your your dad actually came on and, and did a very well and thoughtful um uh, historical rebuttal historical rebuttal on it and which I f- obviously can't disagree with and I actually because we know nothing about history he was completely right and I wasn't looking at it from that po- point of view but the but you cinematically know, it was fabulous cinematically Christopher Nolan is just big and bold and amazing you know to the point where like the boats in it were like boats that actually rescued people at that time yeah, you know, it was the cool. authenticity is just amazing and we've done we did a really long review of that one for anyone who's interested uh, the big sick i think you kind of covered it off that was your number one movie yeah. of the year i loved that as well i love kumail nanjiani love silicon valley um he's, he's he's just a tour de force and i i just wish nothing but good things for him yeah he's and amazing. his twitter account's very funny um spider-man homecoming uh, as you all know i'm a big marvel guy and uh, as you all know you're assuming that <laughs> well, the audience well, if you don't, information on your Marvel preferences. Well, a lot of you have heard my my batshit uh, Marvel movie marathon, <laughs> uh, which and if you haven't, go and listen to that. Um, I thought this was really great. Uh, Tom Holland was a real standout in Captain America: Civil War. It was a lovely surprise, um, and it was just a bold, confident spider-man movie that was actually set in a high school and starred someone who wasn't 30 i did enjoy it you know but i've completely forgotten it why i enjoyed it mainly is because we went with scroobius fifth and walked around a car park together reviewing it (laughs) yeah that was fun it was great to meet him and um and michael keaton was brilliant as birdman yeah that was good um under the shadow was a great little horror movie we saw on uh, i think we saw it on netflix earlier in the year it's an iranian horror film Oh, I forgot um, about that. That yeah, was good. Re- I would yeah. absolutely recommend it. It's um, really good. It's very much about. It's set in Iran in the eighties, and it's a. It's about a woman who's essentially housebound in an in an apartment that's being haunted, and it's. Well, that was terrifying. I've just remembered. It's really scary. You've blocked it out, yeah. haven't you? And it was uh, all a big metaphor for like um, the treatment of women in that. Yes. Yeah, that was a really good movie. Like, and as the best horror films, it's got you know, it's got something to say. Um, Baby Driver. Was awesome. fast and fun. Yeah, uh, loved that. Great soundtrack. Wonder Woman. You kind. We've kind of said enough on that. Um, I just think I, I meant to say, but I was a bit distracted on the plane. What I like about Wonder Woman as well is that um, it just goes to show when they released Batman. Sorry, play, I'm doing something with the baby here. When they did um, the big terrible Justice League. Do you know what? Dead right that Justice League didn't make the money they wanted it to, and it just proves that when you 
you know, there's a reward for good filmmaking versus bad filmmaking, which restored my faith in cinema goers a bit. Because if Wonder Woman had done as well as Justice League, despite one being, you know, over 90% in one, on Rotten Tomatoes and one being critically derided, it would have been kind of disappointing. So it's good to know that people actually won't show up if the movies are shit. Yeah, good word of mouth yeah. actually matters. Um, Lion, I think you've covered off. I thought it was a beautiful. Um, when, uh, for anyone who's a parent, it's even more powerful. Um, I cried at that one as well. You cried all I cry a lot. Uh, I didn't cry at the Lego Batman movie, uh, but I had great fun at it. <laughs> it was really energetic. wasn't quite as good as the Lego movie, which was my favourite movie of whenever that came out. Um, but it was great fun. Will Arnett, uh, really funny. Um, what else? I've got loads of stuff here. La La Land came out earlier this year. Um, and while it wasn't quite the sort of slam dunk that you would have expected from the complete hyperbolic praise that it was <laughs> yeah. getting across the board and sweeping every award It even got ceremony. an extra Oscar that it hadn't won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I thought I really liked it. I thought the, the music was like earworming into my brain for weeks afterwards. Uh, it, it was like really sweet and simple. I mean, the music's fabulous, yeah. Yeah. Um, the quick uh, alright no, I know I need to wrap this up you really the need gir- to wrap th- I'm, I'm beckoning Dave here to wrap this up it's <laughs> you're really like cold. shut up <laughs> <laughs> um, The Girl with All the Gifts is, it was a really clever British zombie oh, yeah, movie that was good, yeah. and I'm so sick of zombie movies but this was well, I think The Girl with All the Gifts came out last year so man you're way off oh no you're right yeah. Okay, well, we watched forget it, this it. Year. scratch that that's Sorry. not allowed on this episode <laughs> forget forget <laughs> you even heard this funnily enough I actually re-listened to our 2016 roundup ahead oh, of this, and, I mentioned and you that, mentioned that you wanted to see it and well, you couldn't remember the did. name but you couldn't remember the name of it so you failed both the times <laughs> on that movie um, here's another great title uh, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore was a Netflix movie um, which well, I quite enjoyed with Elijah Wood and uh, oh I did see that one <laughs> you watched it with I'm me just, you're yeah, listening to my inner monologue blocking here. these movies yeah. I just forget memory. about movies I watch on Netflix because it, it's that small screen experience versus the cinema as much as I like them I just I don't know they don't resonate with me as high okay. strongly as something I see in the cinema I know that doesn't make sense interesting yeah um, well did, did you see that the new Will Smith movie that come, just come out exclusively on Netflix it's like a fantasy thing called oh. Bright um, Valerian I did an episode on that um, with Stuart Higgins from the uh, Science Not the Science podcast Scientist Not the Science and I had such a blast in that it was really terrible mostly <laughs> but it was also amazing um I, I just it's oh so good. Um, lastly, a documentary which I saw recently on Netflix, which was only forty minutes long, and it was called Long Shot. Um, and best, and this was recommended to me by Lee Gant, former guest of this podcast. Go watch Long Shot, but don't read anything about it. Don't even read the synopsis. It's very surprising and powerful. I I really enjoyed it. Okay. And now on to most disappointing. I will stop talking. Most disappointing. Number one for me, Baywatch. Um, we were so upset by Baywatch I mean I in particular I think was upset and I was the one who actually said please can we leave this movie and we left 40 minutes before the end it was vile disgusting um, gross I can't think of any more words in, in that vein it was the worst thing I've ever seen The Rock in it's the worst thing I've ever seen Zac Efron in and I'm including High School Musical in that uh, you haven't seen Dirty Grandpa though. true I haven't seen Dirty Grandpa and neither have I nor do I want and to and I don't want to and it was just an all round horrible experience we did a podcast on that which actually we both really enjoyed doing because um, it was fun to kind of trash it but yeah very disappointing movie and What's I was up with really Zac pumped. Efron it's a Zac really Efron. talented guy he's in a movie now though on a side note that looks really good him and, and Hugh man. Jackman yeah it looks good or anyway um, do you know what on, re- on reflection I've put in disappointing even though it's not a bad movie I've put in Paddington 2 
Okay. Um, I just was a bit, I was a bit disappointed. It, it wasn't, it didn't have the magic of the first one for me. Um, we've done a full review on that one, um, myself and my friend Anna. And then I know you mentioned La La Land in your honourable mentions, but for me that goes into most disappointing because part of this, again, it's not a bad movie, but it, it was around my expectation and it was too overblown. And as, as we discussed in our, our review, I wasn't a massive fan of the ending. And I just think now that the hype's died down, I don't actually think it's, it's going to be remembered as much as a classic as maybe people were expecting it to be. Though maybe that's just my theory. We'll come back to it in 20 years. I thought his, um, his previous movie, the drumming movie, Oh, that was Miles so much Teller better. Was yeah, much better. Much better. And not enough people have. But this is because um, Hollywood loves um, retrospective old Hollywood, you know, fantastic movies, and it was about Hollywood. Yeah. Like it's also self-indulgent. That's why this resonated much more with people than that drumming movie. Hollywood which name loves, I forget. Love staring in the mirror. Yeah. Okay, be, Dave, you're most disappointing. My most disappointing is, is also Baywatch because uh, like I love The Rock and I love Zac Efron. And this looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. And it should have been... And I loved 21 Jump Street, um, which was essentially the same formula. They just looked at an well, old property. Completely different talent. make it a comedy. Uh, yeah, the wrong... They're just the wrong writers and director here. Like, to me, it right? It's just garbage. When you're fondling a corpse's testicles, you know this movie ain't going to be funny and you should be absolutely ashamed of yourself for any no. part in it. And look, we're not above... We're not above... Um... We're not above fondling corpses. <laughs> but we don't do it on screen. We don't have the gall to try and make it funny. We know it's a sad thing we're doing. We'll fondle, we'll fondle some testicles. <laughs> uh, no, I, we're, not ab- we're not above, like, um, you know, gross-out comedy. I still think American Pie is one of my favourite movies. Uh, American Pie is one of your favourite movies? One from my past. You I mean when you were, like, 15? When I was, when I was 15, Look, it was. American Pie was funny in its own right. Um... Watch wasn't funny. That's the difference. If you're going to be gross, make sure you're being funny about it. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, and my other one was Split, the uh, M Night Shyamalan. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we didn't review that for the podcast, but we we watched it this watched year it. Um, with James McAvoy as a sort of a lunatic with with multiple personalities. This trailer looked was fun to me, so I was quite excited for it, uh, and I still hold out hope for. M. Knight. Um, <laughs> well, even did though that he's... movie a couple of years ago about the kids who visited their grandparents, and that was good. Uh, oh, yeah, Grandmother's House, or what was that That's called? That's not what it was called. I don't know what it was. The Visitor or something the vis- like that. The Visit. Yeah, The was Visit. That it? It, was, it was okay. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the, dude, the dude's spiralling out of control slowly <laughs> ever since The Sixth Sense, which must have been a fluke now, in retrospect. And I was right? really annoyed because I, I used to like James McAvoy, right? And after Split, and then I just watched... Um, What's that movie with Charlize Theron? Atomic Blonde. I just watched that the other day, which actually, sorry, I meant to put in my honourable mention, the action scenes in Atomic Blonde were so cool and Charlize Theron was so cool in that movie, so massive kudos to her. But James McAvoy, I'm over it now. I'm sick of him. I thought he was terrible in both of those movies, so, yeah, I'm sure he'd be very upset to hear that, obviously. Uh, and sorry, is that James. It? Is that your... Um, you're uh, your most disappointing that band? was it I mean uh, largely I'd just like to also mention it this and split one of the like it was a kind of an okay movie it kind of got worse and worse as it went along I mean the end was so I volatile. think 10 Cloverfield Lane is, is a much better example of a bottle uh, sort of horror movie which is what this wants to be and the end just tanked for me like it's went off a cliff 10 Cloverfield Lane cannot be compared to this movie I won't spoil it for anybody but uh, but it's, it's shit the worst shoehorned piece of Hollywood uh, garbage that I've ever seen at the very end that's yeah, a little bit of hyperbole that is there. a bit of hyperbole okay worst movie for me I've said enough about it Baywatch Dave 
worst. Yeah, Baywatch is on oh. my worst as well. It's the worst movie of the year. I only have one worst. By far. Oh no, I have a second worst. I shouldn't have started this train of thought. I've got because, a second worst as because well. Because I can't remember the name of the movie. Go on, um, describe it, it to was me. A, I think it was a straight to TV. Use your words, Straight Cathy. to TV release with Jamie Dornan. And it was, okay. it was called Flight of Love or something like what? that. And it was billed as a romantic comedy. I foolishly turned it on. Um, and it stars Jamie Dornan. And How desperate were you? It's, I was really desperate. And it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So I can't remember the name of it, but that's in my worst list. Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, my other one was Fifty Shades Darker. Oh, I forgot about Fifty Shades uh, Which Dark. also stars really weird. Jamie Dornan. Two Jamie Dornan movies. Jamie Dornan, sort yourself out. Sorry, man. Jamie Dornan. You've gone from the fall to falling to the bottom of our list. To fell. Um... The Fall also, on that note, we, we thought Jamie Dornan was superb in season one of The Fall. <laughs> then that show got really bad and we... we then he opened out. his mouth in season yeah, two. then we realised the only reason he was so good was because he wasn't talking. He was very menacing, was silent. Look, looking very broody. Um, so yeah, the Fifty Shades Darker is one of my favourite podcasts we ever did because we went with all my girlfriends and went to the pub and it was so much fun. I bet that's but on your guilty pleasures list. I don't it? have a guilty pleasures list. Did you not do a guilty pleasure? Did you not read no, the brief? we didn't. Do we do guilty pleasures? Yeah, Kathy. For the movie list? Yeah. Oh, I don't have a guilty pleasure right. list. I haven't done one. Well, you're going to have to listen to mine. I've got... <laughs> three. Have you anything else to say about Fifty Shades Darker? No, but it's not a guilty pleasure because I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoyed the episode that we recorded. It's garbage. Yeah, it's not a guilty pleasure. It's awful. Like, it's absolutely awful. Yeah, but actually, like, probably something like Snatched would be a guilty pleasure for me. I actually think... I thought I found Fifty Shades Darker. I hadn't seen the first one, but I found you this missed out, man. Troubling. I actually was troubled by it. Yes, terrible. By this representation of if young women are watching this, it's not young women, or Dave. teenagers, it's, it's or middle-aged who, I guess. women. What, 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 you should know better. But what example is this? The protagonist is basically just Abusive? being abused by this man, both yeah. both like physically. And, and, mentally. and mentally, like he's just he he's like takes her reads her texts. And, this is from the vein of um, romance. Really romantic. It's from the vein of romance where they, they posit that it's romantic if your boyfriend's insanely jealous and won't let you speak to anybody else. It's, it's that kind of. Um, but it's also just one of the least watchable movies yeah. I've ever seen. They tried to shoehorn in like peril. There's a whole spoiler alert. Uh, who gives a shit? But um, there's a whole bit <laughs> where like his plane. Gre- oh God! J- yeah, Mr. Gray's it's like, plane Christian goes might have down. Died. Next scene, Christian's fine. Okay, <laughs> he was um, literally two, one could you scene not have afterwards. Drawn out the tension slightly. <laughs> His plane crashes, which was terrible CG. And then the next scene was, oh my God, is Christian dead? And then he just walked through the hotel. And said, I that didn't was actually die. my favorite episode of our <laughs> podcast because Dave read out extracts from the book, which was truly disturbing. Me and all my girlfriends were hanging out. We all went to the pub together, and Dave was like one of the few men in the cinema, so that was quite fun. Uh, yes, and uh, right, my guilty pleasures list, which Kathy just forgot well, to we do. Well, didn't, we did guilty pleasures in our TV review, but we didn't do one in our yeah, movie got, review last year. I can't keep up with this. I've got plenty of guilty pleasures okay, here. Okay, tell us your guilty Firstly, pleasures. Firstly, Fast and Furious 8. Oh, yes. Yeah. Or 8 Fast, 8 Furious, or whatever But do you not remember how bored we were of that movie by the end? No, I had great fun with it. I mean, it was too long and yeah. silly, but like, it's a guilty pleasure. It yeah. was, like, they're, ba- they're pretty... They're brilliant yeah. and terrible at the same <laughs> time. Uh, I just, like... Oh, so good! Vin Diesel just saying the word, like, and The Rock and Jason Statham are going to have a spin-off movie. Yeah, which I, I can't really wait look forward for. to that. And uh, I mean, uh, Vince, what's his face? What's his name? 
Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. All he says is, this is my family. <laughs> all he says in that movie. What I love about those movies as well is, Vin Diesel and The Rock apparently hate each other to the point where they're not in any scenes together and they've had to cut around them. That's really um, interesting. I would pick The Rock any day. Me too. But like Vin Diesel is what kind of what makes those movies brilliant because he's taking it so seriously. I know, like, I love I it. I think he really believes in, in these things. I think he's things. like Daniel Day-Lewis, right? <laughs> he like really gets into a role, so he acts like that all the time, just so that when the Fast and the Furious rolls out every 12 months, he can be really true to the character. I just think he's, I think he's stuck in the noughties. He thinks like uh, smashing Coronas and hanging with your bros and... And like uh, yeah, taking a that. sweet ride with your with your best chick at your side <laughs> is like the way to live your life. Uh, power to the max, Vin. Yeah. Um, Kong Skull Island um, Ooh, forgot about was that. a bit throwaway, uh, but I really enjoyed it. Maybe that's not even a guilty pleasure, but I've like, completely forgotten every single thing about I that was, movie. I just thought it was great fun. I loved the, the Vietnam stuff. Great soundtrack, like a lot of credence. Uh, yeah. Check it out on VOD or whatever if anyone missed that at the cinema. And I watched a movie. Um, last week called Hardcore Henry um, which is really stupid uh, but great fun first person shooter movie yeah it's but essentially that's not 2017 release was it not, no. it not come you can't just talk about things that you watched <laughs> why not like oh great I watched my best friend's Reading last week that's in my top movies of the year <laughs> sorry no. I thought that was this year okay whatever uh, it was kind of like terrible and pointless but uh, kind of interesting like some of the uh, action scenes were really well put together um Right, that's it. That's it. Okay, hopefully we've kept this briefer than our TV episode, which after yeah, we, we burned rec- through recorded that. it, we've been recording for seven hours. <laughs> um, and right. thank you so much to everyone who's listened to us this year. We've had <coughs> such an amazing year with this podcast. We've been so happy with it. We love all the feedback we get from you guys. Yeah, um, keep talking to yeah, us. We're we on Twitter it. and Facebook and Instagram, or you can eat at the Cinemile, by the way, and uh, or you can email us. We're the cinemile at gmail.com. And thanks to all our guests who came on this year and uh, for submitting their best and worst movies of the year. Yes. Uh, we will finish with more of them. Yeah. So thanks for listening and Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry and Christmas. Happy New Year. Bye. Hopefully the movies will be better next year. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get to the cinema next year, given that we do a cinema podcast. Um, yeah. I can't believe that since we had a baby, we've managed to put out about an episode every 10 days. Um, what if we just change this to a baby podcast? No, we'll that would just be the talk. Worst. We'll just talk about that our, would be our the baby. Worst podcast of all time. <laughs> Which all is right. all we do anyway. Okay. By the way, when we're not talking to you. <laughs> bye. All right, bye. Hello, uh, my name is Alison Spittle, and I host uh, the podcast called the Alison Spittle Show. My least favorite film this year was the documentary casting John Benet. Um, I had to switch it off when they had children hammering a watermelon to show what it would be like to hit another child on the head. I just felt it was a bit a bit too much for me. Um, my favourite film this year was the last film I watched, which is called uh, Brickle... What's it called? Brickleberry Bear? Do you know what? That's not my favourite film. If I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Detroit. I cried a lot at Detroit. Uh, Will Poulter played an absolute bastard in it. Bye. Merry Christmas Cinemile podcast. Sam from the Picture House podcast here and uh, thinking about my favourite film of 2017, I'm going to say Girls Trip.
which is a really wonderful comedy starring Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith, and uh, and introducing, to me at least, a really wonderful actor and comedian, uh, Tiffany Haddish. She's so good. I loved it. I laughed and laughed and laughed. Saw it in the cinema. Had a great time. It's actually out now on iTunes and DVD and Blu-ray and all that stuff. So it's a perfect Christmas gift. Least favorite film of 2017. I'm sticking with the all-female comedy. I'm going to say Rough Night, a really lame film. The, none of the actors had any chemistry. It stars Scarlett Johansson, Kate McKinnon, Ilana Glazer. They're all brilliant in their own right. They're not great in this film. Yeah, it's it, a void. A comedy with no jokes is an awful, awful thing should not exist so please burn rough night please go watch girls trip and have a wonderful christmas and a happy new year hi so i'm ellie from the scummy mummies uh, my film of this year was blade runner 2049 um not not just because it was the only film me and my husband went got to go and see at the cinema because we've got small children um but i just loved it i loved um just the atmosphere of it and the the music and the sort of fact it rained all the time and the robots who doesn't love murderous robots i mean it's one of my favorite things so i love that um my least favorite film of the year was jurassic world which i know came out a couple of years ago but again i don't i don't get out much um and i again i love dinosaurs love dinosaur movies but fuck me like just watching this woman chase dinosaurs around a park in white stilettos was a real low light of 2017 for me Hey guys, this is Kobe here from Flixwater Podcast and brand new podcast, The Wire Strip, which I do with a young chap called David Corkery. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah. Um, anyway, on to my favourite films of 2017, starting with the big ones, which were Logan, um, and also special mention to Spider-Man Homecoming, Wonder Woman and Thor Ragnarok. Uh, smaller films, I guess, were Death of Stalin, which is super dark and super funny. Saw that twice at the cinema because I just had to. Um, and I also saw Baby Driver twice, thinking about it. Um, but I'm not sure if I'll see that again post-Kevin Spaceygate. Going back to the big films, um, which is the worst film, is Justice League. That is a massive, dripping, piling, steaming mess of camel shit. Not as bad as Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice, though. Sorry, Kathy. Okay, cheers, guys. Love the show. Hi, Kathy and Dave. Happy Christmas. Merry New Year. Uh, this is Helen O'Hara of the Empire Podcast here. So my film of 2017 is The Death of Stalin. I thought it was brilliant and weird and funny and terrifying and just cleverly put together. And my worst film of the year has got to be Transformers 5. Was that Age of Extinction? I wish it was anyway. It was a bloody awful film. It made no sense. And despite having gorgeous effects, I was bored out of my mind so i hope never to see it again um here is to a much better and film filled 2018 this is matt coin also known as man versus baby so um my favorite film of 2017 is dunkirk uh obviously it's um it tells a really important and uh, an incredible story but um just as a thriller there are ticking clocks everywhere in this film, and I was, uh, yeah, I was completely gripped by by Dunkirk. Um, my worst film of 2017 is the Emoji Movie. <sighs> this is a a horror film in the truest sense. Um, I was actually sent this on DVD by a PR company to review, and I did post a video review of it that consisted of me watching the first five minutes and then taking the disc out onto my driveway and reversing my car over it. Um, yeah, it's it's. I would prefer to watch a builder 
take a shit for two hours than watch any more than the five minutes that I saw of this this shocker. So yeah, the Emoji Movie. And Transformers, The Last Night. Because, uh, because yeah, Transformers. Big thank you to all of our contributors on this episode. Thank you so much. In particular to my mother, the best guest as always. And if you would like to give us a Christmas present, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe to us on iTunes if you don't already do so and if you could leave us a review and five stars that would be amazing okay bye Merry Christmas <laughs>